Today's episode is brought to you by Sarah Brooks of Country Financial, specializing in small business insurance, also offering home, auto, life, and more. Service is available in Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Minnesota. They're also currently hiring. Call today for a free quote, and if you mention this episode, you'll receive a free gift. Sarah can be reached at 907-357-7455. That's 907-357-7455 for Sarah Brooks of Country Financial. On today's episode, we asked the people what they wanted, and they gave us the topics. The Bears are on the clock, so what do we do with Justin Fields and the number one overall pick? Geno Smith contract expectations and locations. MLB and the pay disparity in overall baseball controversies. Do I believe that Josh Allen is overrated? As a fun one, inflation hit me for the first time that I actually really recognized, and a whole lot more. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Thursday, January 26th. Glad to have you back with us. Before we get into the actual topics of today, I first want to apologize because the last two episodes haven't been what I want it to be. I have tried, God, probably seven or eight times over the past three weeks or so to get out an episode. And it's been really difficult for me because I had to take about a three-month sabbatical from this. And trying to refine my voice has been difficult. Also because, like, like I said, I have neighbors and I'm not sure what the sound threshold is. I have some new equipment and I'm you know kind of toying around with that. But now that I kind of know where I'm at and what I'm at, I'm going to go ahead and I'm not even sure if that's an accurate way to put that. But I feel better and I feel more comfortable and more confident. So let's get back into what we were basically before October. And before we get into anything that's like sports related, because we've got some good stuff, had some really good feedback from the audience, and we'll get into all those things. But I want to get into this first. I talked about inflation and how it really hit me for the first time today, because I don't really pay attention to those things. The episode that I had, uh, not this Monday, but the previous Monday, that I ended up deleting because of just, it felt forced and it was just unorganic. But on that episode, I had talked about how, like, I just don't really think about things. I just go buy it. Um, Unless uh, the price tag is like really staring me in the face, then maybe I will. But otherwise, I'm just like, yeah, I need this. And I know that prices have gone up. I'll just pay it and move along. But this was the first time that I bought something and not looked at the price tag, and it really just absolutely shocked the hell out of me. So we all know that Pringles, what you what you see is what you get, right? I mean, even though you can't see it, but they never short you. Like that canister is always filled to the brim with potato chips. Everybody else is kind of, you know, it's deceit. And we've even seen shrinkflation. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that phrase, but we've seen companies during the pandemic basically give you things in the exact same size of a bag, but give you less contents on it. And you think you're paying the exact, even if, even if the price hasn't gone up, you're paying the same amount for something, but getting less of it, which is the theory behind shrinkflation. 
But as I'm going through the store, one of the things I love, I love Duke's like beef jerky. It's not even really beef jerky. It's like meat sticks. And they have like a hatch chili, which is good. And the spicy one, I oh my God, I love that. I will absolutely eat the out of an entire bag of those, like just without even thinking about it. So those things used to be up here in Alaska. They were $9 a bag, something like that. And uh, I just, I'd, I'd buy two of them, wasn't thinking about it. And next thing I know, this was, I would say, about a month ago, and they're five fifty. I'm like, oh man, I wonder if Dukes is getting bought out. Now I have no idea if that's true or not, especially before today. But I would just stock up on those things all the time because it was my favorite just kind of snack to have. And I roll through the day and I see them. I'm like, oh, they're not, they're not discontinued. It's still a thing. So I Scoop them things up. I get five bags of them. Two hatch chilies and three spices. Now remember, last time I bought these, they were uh, the price on these was $9.50 ish. And the last one I bought, the, after you use your Fred My Rewards cards, is you know $5.50. So I'm not thinking too much of it. I just scoop them all up and I throw them in the bag. Just throw it in the bag. And I spent almost $100 on five bags of meat sticks. Hashtag giggity. That is ridiculous. So the bags say 50% more. So when I go back to the theory of you get what you pay for, you get what you see. Usually, and that, that's the thing. I don't care if I'm only paying, if I'm paying $9 for half a bag of that particular product because I know that like I've already bought it once I've had it to me it's not a big deal I am willing to pay that much for it but then I saw like once I got home I was I was checking out because this was one of the things I had talked about on the previous episode that we had to get that I got rid of was I'm too proud to put something back if I don't check on it that's on me and that's where I was at with this particular product was I was like Jesus Christ it is 17 18 dollars for a bag of like not just jerky like it's just whatever whatever the hell kind of meat product it is damn dog like that's crazy to me and even if it's 50% more like that's fine but if it was $9 beforehand if it's 50% more maximum that should be is you know 1350 you know whatever your price is you know divide that by half and then add that back on but I saw that and I was like, Jesus Christ, $17, $18 for that? That is the first time that I saw something and I go, oh, I should probably pay a little bit more attention to what I'm paying for things, but I won't. If I'm not looking directly at that price, I'm not going to think about it. I just know that me as a person, which I probably should do a better job of that, but this is the life that we live and here I am as a person. The other thing before we get into sports is, so as I'm I'm checking out, I've got, I go to the liquor store because, you know, where I, where I shop at, you know, there's obviously, I, I think that, I don't even know why I'm explaining this to you. I think that 99% of stores have a grocery store and then a liquor store inside of it. So as I'm leaving, I go to the liquor store and I see this woman who is in line, which isn't a big deal, but I see somebody behind her. I get the stuff that I want and I'm leaving. The person behind her is no longer there. 
but that person still is. And they're still doing the same transaction. I'm like, what in the f- is going on? But I don't say anything. And I, as she's leaving, I notice something. And I roll up and I say to the cashier and I go, you, I, I, I did not know that checkbooks were still a thing. And she goes, thank God that you had the common courtesy to wait. Because apparently what had happened was while I was shopping, the person behind her, like, out basically just said to the entire store, how old are you? If you want to dumb it down to that. And I was like, yo, you have to have some kind of courtesy. And what's wild to me is that they'd still, one, that store still accept that kind of currency. But on top of that, let let this old woman, I don't mean to say the word old, but she was, do you use a checkbook? The answer to that really is no. But, and, and side story from the story is I remember I had my son with me. This would guys would have been seven ish years ago. Cause he was still like a, a baby baby. And I'm rolling to the store to actually run into my mom at the same store. And I saw her using a checkbook and somebody else kind of having the same reaction. But seven years later, I did not realize that we were still accepting checks as currency, but those are my two fun stories. So I do want to say before we go any further, um, I do a really bad job of this. I'm really terrible at promoting this show through the podcast. Like I feel like I do a pretty good job uh, through my social media, through my Facebook page, the chopping up a piece guy page. But when it comes to the podcast itself, it's always towards the end. And I meant to do it today. This is how bad my ADD is. And like, it's like every single time it's like Prescott, you told yourself before you started put the promo to boost the page or to boost the show at the very beginning. And I always forget to. So I'll just say now, if you enjoy the content, please tell your friends. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you want to share the show in its entirety, that's great. If you just want to show one per- like one specific episode, that's fine too, which sometimes I prefer because I have a an entirely different way of looking at things than other people do. And as a Bills fan, people think that I only look at it from my perspective or from a Bills fan perspective. No, 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 no. We are here to look at everything in its entirety. And Chicago Bears fans, this is your day because you guys are clamoring for what do they do with the number one overall pick. And I will tell you what I will do. It may sound outlandish, but I guarantee you that you have a friend of yours who has said the exact same thing. And if they have, send them this episode so that they can have their confirmation. And to start off, Bears fans, I get it. You're hurt. The exact same draft that Patrick Mahomes was drafted was the same draft with Mr. Trubisky. But let me tell you something. It's okay. The reason why it's okay is because it's not like Patrick Mahomes was the number one overall pick, right? And we keep... Chicago keeps getting clowned for not taking Patrick Mahomes. But I do this every once in a while, and I figured, you know what? The Bears fans reached out in full force, so I'll go ahead and just throw it out there as well. The 2017 NFL Draft, 
Miles Garrett was number one, Mitch Trubisky number two, Solomon Thomas, Leonard Fournette, Corey Davis, Jamal Adams, Mike Williams, Christian McCaffrey, John Ross, and then Patrick Mahomes, who was traded up four from Buffalo. You don't think that Carolina would have liked to have had Patrick Mahomes? The Chargers at that time, because of Philip Rivers' age? The Jets, because <laughs> they're the Jets? Tennessee because Tannehill is Ryan Tannehill. Jacksonville, like the problem is not the fact that the problem. Okay, to backtrack, the problem is that you traded up to go get Mr. Trubisky. But it's not because we like we now know with the with the hindsight of how good Patrick Mahomes is. It's the fact that you traded up period to get this guy. Like that's that's the problem. But missing on Patrick Mahomes is not the biggest issue because there's a number of teams in this specific draft. There's a lot of teams that needed a quarterback. And the if Buffalo doesn't trade for him, how far does he even fall is the other question that nobody really wants to talk about. So I'm not going to bag on Chicago for missing on Patrick Mahomes. That isn't that's not fair. Like that that's and I I hate using that word like. It's not fair, but it, it's not justifiable to say that Chicago missed on Patrick Mahomes because we're only going off of the careers now. The miss is going up to get Trubisky, but the miss is not missing on Mahomes because there was a gap between two and nine where nobody else picked him up either. And there's at least five or six teams that I, that I listed, especially in that time frame, that needed a dude and they missed out on him too. So I'm not going to bag on them for missing out on Mahomes, but the trade to Trubisky was, I don't even know how to describe that. But Chicago fans are like, they're, they're in turmoil right now. And I understand it. There's a lot of them who are saying, well, like what like what do we do? Do we stay with Justin Fields? Because like, I feel like it's split down the middle and I could be wrong. As a Bills fan, I don't know what the dynamic is of the Bears fandom. But... To me, it seems like it is split pretty down the middle of this guy's trash, can't do anything, versus he has no help. What do we do to help him? And the draft is a funny thing because generally we would think if you're like the number two team going to number one, we would generally have to think, oh, well, you're not giving up as much, right? Because you're only moving up one spot. But if we know who the what you're trading for at the two spot, and we know what your glaring hole is, and everybody knows essentially who the number one pick should be. Yeah, that doesn't really your your negotiation leverage is done at that point. But we do we see we sometimes see these weird things where again Buffalo trade up to get Josh Allen because the year beforehand they traded back and let Kansas City get Patrick Mahomes. And I made this argument as well: Patrick Mahomes in Buffalo when he got drafted. Patrick Mahomes' legacy is completely different because he had good burger Kelvin Benjamin as his wide receiver, and that was his number one wide receiver. Like The narrative would not be the same with Patrick Mahomes, even though I judge him as the best quarterback I have seen. Coaching matters, talent matters, and it's all circumstantial. So let's put that, we'll, we'll just put a pin in that for the moment. So yeah, Chicago, you shouldn't be like super beat up that you missed on Trubisky. Or I'm sorry, that you missed on Mahomes. You absolutely missed on Trubisky. That you missed on Mahomes. But you do got to take that L on Trubisky as far as drafting and trading up to get him. But what we're talking about right now is 
is Justin Fields and what Chicago should do with it. So we talked about some trades and the thing is like, there's going to be trades no matter what. And I don't know if that's going to happen at the top of the draft. It's, it's potentially going to happen, but we've seen teams that have that, that 20 pick that trade up, you know, like I said, Buffalo was a team that had somewhere in the twenties, as far as their pick is concerned. And they let, they moved up to go get Josh Allen but the reason why they got that is because they got Tredavious White in that same draft class. So Mahomes went, I think, 10 to Kansas City. And then when they traded back in the early to mid-20s, they got Tredavious White. So it ended up being good for both teams, especially because <laughs> Buffalo offensively was not equipped to do anything with Josh Allen at that point in time. But now that we've seen how good of a GM Brandon Bean is, maybe they would have figured it out. Maybe they wouldn't have. But regardless, we do see teams move back and forth all the time. And as the way that the NFL draft is currently constructed, let's just move from the back forward, right? Like Philly, Philly is not going to get a quarterback. I don't think I would be very surprised. They move. If they moved off from Jalen hurts this year, I would be incredibly surprised, but the chiefs aren't going anywhere. The Broncos look, the Broncos might still want to move Russell Wilson because when that trade was done, everybody thought me included, that the Denver Broncos were like, all right, well, that's it. That puts them over the top. They may not win the division because Patrick Mahomes is still running the AFC West. And spoiler alert, that dude is kind of a big deal. But all of a sudden, they were going to be a playoff team. Me, Like I said, me included. But to think that that, that contract can't be moved is it, it's, it's some dumb to think. Every contract can be moved. It's just based on what are you willing to give up or who thinks they can get the most out of this guy. So do I think that Denver will trade Russell Wilson? No. But if you think that they're not fielding offers, period, then that's ridiculous. Like they're fielding offers. And if they get a good enough one, they will, because maybe they still have faith in this guy. But the other thing is with his age and with that contract, it will be difficult to move, but we've seen difficult contracts be moved. We've, we've said this about Russell Westbrook. We've said this about Chris Paul. We've said this about John Wall and it's more difficult to do that in the NBA because the salaries have to match up. In the NFL, they don't. It's just got to, you have to find somebody who's willing to dance with you. So in theory, they could still move Wilson. I just don't know if they can or if they if they can, but I don't know if they will. And then we got Cincinnati, and they're sure as hell not moving on from Burrow. Buffalo's not moving off from Allen, regardless of my criticism of him. And I've already said earlier, or what was said in the intro, I was asked, is Josh Allen overrated? We'll get to that too. Um, Dallas, they're probably not moving off from Dak. They probably should, but I don't know if they will. The Giants, man, that dude, Daniel Jones probably finessed them into a contract. I don't believe that they should, but he probably did. If it's not with them, it's with somebody else because everybody thinks that they can get the most out of somebody. The Giants, oof, they, they might be paying that man $35 million a year and he doesn't deserve it. Then you go to Jacksonville, they're not getting anybody. Um, Minnesota, like Minnesota is what, that's an interesting one to me. Maybe they trade up, but I highly doubt it. Uh, Baltimore, that really depends on what happens with Lamar Jackson. If he signs, then they're not trading up to get anybody. But if they don't, then maybe they do. Uh, the Chargers are, or I'm sorry, not the Chargers, but the uh, the Seahawks are interesting one because they have the number five and the number 20 overall pick. Now, are they willing to trade those up to go get the number one overall pick to get a quarterback? And we'll get back to that moment. But you look at Tom, uh, Tampa Bay, Maybe they trade up. Detroit seems to like Jared Goff. I don't know why. 
Uh, Pittsburgh isn't going to do anything because they just drafted Kenny Pickett. Washington, maybe. Green Bay depends on Aaron Rodgers. New England's most likely not going to do anything. Uh, the Jets, uh, they might. The Texans, like. But when we're looking through this entire landscape, it's like most of these guys, most of these teams have their quarterbacks. There's a couple teams where you go, oh, well, maybe we have them, maybe, maybe we don't. But if I'm Chicago, this is what I'm doing. And I had said this again, this is the what I had said on the previous episode that we had to delete was if I'm the Chicago Bears, I am absolutely drafting Bryce Young, number one overall, and I'm not trading that pick. Then just hang hang with me for a moment. Chicago does have a lot of holes to fill, right? And there's it's not just a quarterback who's projected to be number one. In fact, it's supposed from some people, and I'm not a big college football fan, so I'm not gonna pretend like I know everything about this. But Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, is listed as like the number one prospect. And again, these things move all the time and no football game will be played until April. And these lists are going to move around a lot. And I'm sure that any quarterback is going to move up the scale because that happens every single year. And if you ever realize that, I don't know how to help you with that. But I'd be very hard pressed to believe that Chicago would take a defensive tackle with the number one overall pick. But as we're looking at things, let's just look at the top 10 then. Now, I listed teams in the back half who might trade up, which there aren't many. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of these early teams, Houston, are you willing to trade the number two overall pick? But that's that we did, we talked about that too. Everybody knows that you need a quarterback. How much are you willing to give up? Chicago's willing to answer. like They're willing to feel those types of calls, but are they going to do it? Arizona, what do you feel about Kyler Murray? You just paid him. I have a very difficult time believing that they're going to get rid of him. Indianapolis, you do need a quarterback. Maybe you spend that number four pick to trade up. Five, Seattle. We'll talk about Geno Smith in a moment. But are, are is Seattle going to do it? Are they going to package, like I said, are they going to package up both first rounders to move up to get him? Or if that, that, that number five spot, maybe a second or third, something along those lines. Detroit, how invested are you? There are teams, the Raiders, because... They don't know what they're going to do. They have no idea. There's rumors of Aaron Rodgers going there or maybe Tom Brady. They're the seven. The Falcons are at eight. The, the Panthers are at nine and the Eagles are again at 10, but and the uh, Titans are 11. There's a lot of options for Chicago. But when I say draft him number one overall is because if these other teams feel like they've got the quarterback, but they're just trying to be fancy, because every, like I said, every every NFL team thinks that they have. Every NFL team either thinks that either A, they are a quarterback away, or B, they have the quarterback, and they just need to figure it out. Because they're too proud to give up on somebody, especially once they've already paid them that the second contract. The first contract, nowadays, you can, you can move along. It's not that big of a deal. But when you pay them that big contract first time around, oof, they, or if they're an early draft pick, those are the two scenarios. If they're like a, a top five, top 10 draft pick, you can't move on from them internally. I believe that you can, but it's hard for them from an ego standpoint to move on. Or if you've already paid them once the rookie deal is done, that becomes the bigger conflict of, well, we messed up. What are we going to do now? The reason why I say that Chicago should take Bryce Young number one overall is because these other teams that maybe don't need a quarterback, maybe they are trying to address something else. And depending on what their need is, that's going to be what you're going to get back, right? Like no one's trading up from number 
25 to number one to get a defensive tackle. That, I don't see that happening. But if you actually have both QBs on your roster, that is where you can get the most back, I feel. You're almost, I've made the comparison to Madden, and obviously pro sports is not Madden, but, but now what you've done is, regardless of what you think of Justin Fields, now you've got the number one quarterback you know, prospect in Bryce Young, and you got Justin Fields. And people around the league are going to be like, oh, God. Now they got both of them. They got, two, they got two quarterbacks now, which you could think is going to kind of handcuff you, right? Because what's, what's the narrative? You have two quarterbacks, you got no quarterback. But in today's NFL, that isn't really, that, that shouldn't be the thought process on it. And the way that I'm looking at this is kind of long-term because Chicago, regardless of whether they had Justin Fields or Bryce Young, they're not doing anything anyways. Like Minnesota has, they were a failure, but Detroit seems to be on the come up in Green Bay as long as they do have Aaron Rodgers, regardless of how much of a diva he wants to be about things, that's still a relatively good football team. But I've been saying this for years. Handful of good, handful of bad, and everybody else is basically 500, depending on the, the bounces that you get. You can make it into the playoffs or you can not. And everyone's basically living in purgatory, but maybe it's your year to make it into the playoffs, and maybe it's not. But with Chicago, you have so much work to do that I would draft the quarterback just because everyone's starving for one, too. We, Everyone thinks they've got it, and everyone's looking for it. Now, what if you have both of them? And that's the biggest thing for me is that, okay, what if you're looking through practice and you see that Justin Fields is absolutely blowing Bryce Young out the water, but he's the number one overall pick as far as Bryce Young is concerned. People are still going to want to trade up for him. They're going to want to just give away the farm. Well, our, our offensive line is better than yours. Our weapons are better than yours. Our run game, our coaching staff, we can get the most out of him. Or same thing with Justin Fields. Maybe Bryce Young is outperforming Justin Fields, and you go, man, we got to get rid of one of these guys and say, well, we can we can fix Justin Fields. We saw what he can do. He's electric. We can do this. I just feel like if you have both quarterbacks on your roster, that is something where you basically hold the NFL by the <laughs> for anybody who needs a quarterback. I've been saying for a bit that the, uh, the, the art of the backup quarterback is basically a lost art. And with the way that Chicago is, again, they've got so much work to do. I don't see them holding on to both quarterbacks like indefinitely. They're going to have to trade one of them regardless. And what I've seen on social media and it's like, well, what happens if you grab both of them? And they're, they're, they're pissed off about it. Look, these guys have been dealing like Bryce Young's been dealing with NIL and uh, just Justin Fields is one of those dudes. Like these guys have played at the, at the top programs at the highest level. And you don't think that they're used to having to, fight through competitions and stuff like that. And you would say probably no, because again, they're playing at the highest level and of college football at least, but they understand it's a business too. You know, Justin feels from the, per, from the perspective of the actual NFL and being in it for a couple of years and Bryce Young with the, with the NIL stuff and like, man, this is business, man. We know it. We know what it is. So if the, if the bears were to, and I don't think that look to, to be clear, I don't think this is going to happen. I'm just throwing it out there because I like the anarchy and I like to cause mischief and, and think about the what ifs of sports. I don't think this is going to happen, but I do think that it proposes an interesting conundrum. And honestly, it, it, be, it could be beneficial to Chicago anyways. But if they do draft Bryce Young, like these guys looking at each other, they're like, all right, well, who's getting who's getting traded? One of us is not going to be living here 
which I don't think they live there anyways. You know, they make enough money where like, who wants to live in Chicago? Actually, that's that's not fair. Nobody really wants to live in Buffalo. And also that's not fair. I'm just taking shots at cities now. But <laughs> Chicago is, 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 it doesn't matter what you do. You're a few years away from the rebuild anyways. But I'm just saying, take both quarterbacks. Because once you have the commodity that everybody wants, that's when you start seeing the real, the real value of having that. Because like I said, anybody can be traded. Anything can be traded. And if, if, if you hear that something is untouchable, that is an absolute lie. It's a lie. Anything and anybody can be traded in the world of sports. I just feel that if you have both of those guys in your possession, for lack of a better term, that you'll get the best, you'll get the best return on your investment, if you want to put it that way. You'll get more draft picks back once people know that you have him, as opposed to what if we do, what if we don't. That's the move that I would do. Again, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I'm just an anarchist. What do I know? But after these messages, we'll be right back. So we're getting ready to dive into the second half of the episode, and I want to give a big thanks to like a lot of people. Actually, uh, one, the people who gave me the, the, the topics for today, Adam West, Stephen Lenz, you guys are Chicago fans, they're Bears fans, and they want to see what's going on and what my perspective is on things. Do they agree with it? I have no idea. But the fact is, the loyal listeners, I want to give them a shout out and I want to, you know, give them credence for what they are asking me for. I think it's, it's, it's only right for me not to voice their opinions, but to give my opinions based on what they enjoy. And if I'm asking for your opinion, it would be a disservice to not do it. We're also going to get into uh, Darren Hoverston, who asked me about Major League Baseball, uh, the controversy around loaded baseballs and the discrepancy of, of a pay, which we're going to get into in, in just a moment, actually. Uh, Christopher Smith had asked me, I don't know if you go by Chris or Christopher. I I don't want to be that guy. I just call you Christopher by bike. I don't want to be the government name, guys. We'll go Chris Smith, I guess. Uh, ask me about Josh Allen being overrated. So thank you guys all for your support and uh, your your requests. And I'm glad that you guys are listening. Again, if you whether you like my takes or not, if you if you please share this, we can grow this thing into a bigger thing. That'd be great. I appreciate you guys' support through everything. Um, the other thing I want to do real quick before I actually get into these topics is I want to give a huge shout out to Chase Brown. Uh, this this isn't a sponsored segment. This has nothing to do with anything except for the fact of this is a guy who is, to me, I feel as a, as a pretty big name in the podcast game. Has nothing to do with sports, though. But him and his buddy Josh, they have this podcast called Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. And all of us have different interests like myself included, even though I like sports, like that's primarily what this is about. Like the Witcher is my favorite game that I've ever played in my entire life. And I love final fantasy. Uh, I'm not a huge like game of Thrones fan or Harry Potter or anything like that, but those are huge topics that people love to watch and love to talk about. And chase and Josh factor fantasy. You can get that wherever you get your podcast does an incredible job. Like they go, they're, they're, they're taking a break currently. They won't be back on the microphone until I think March. I, I was actually just talking with Chase uh, about four or five days ago about this because I wanted to give him a plug and I don't necessarily have like an advertisement for him, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I can't give him the flowers that he deserved. But if you love things 
in that realm, the uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, uh, the Witcher, any of those things. They go into it step by step and they give their analysis by episode. It's crazy in depth and they do a really great job of speaking through the episodes and giving you different theories that maybe you didn't think of. So if you're into that type of stuff, I highly recommend it. Because I, I just re-listened to the Witcher season two series that was done at the beginning of 2022 because again, I'm not big into those other things, but I am a huge Witcher nerd. That was the thing for me. So again, another plug for Chase, uh, Chase and Joss, Chase Brown. Thank you so much for all your support through uh, me going in this podcast game. That's enough about me. Let's get into is Josh Allen overrated and let's get into is the MLB juicing balls. Spoiler alert. The answer is yes to both of them. But to start with MLB first is it's such a weird thing because as somebody who, if I don't know something, I don't want to just come out here and tell you that I know it. I feel like that's dangerous. It's not just like in sports, you know, the, the actual danger that you're going to encounter from me saying I know something definitively is very minimal. But I feel like us just saying that we know something when we know it's incorrect, but we're just giving an opinion is incredibly dangerous from like journalistically, uh, societally, anything else in between. Now, there are certain things that I do know, and it's by proxy. It's not because I physically have had conversations with anybody. It's because I, I do listen to people who have been in this space before. And you always know, you, you can always trust people. Well, always, that's a little bit hyperbolic. But if there's somebody who used to be in a certain field, and now they're out of it, and they've been kind of distant for a while... They'll usually give you an accurate description of what you want to hear as opposed to while you're while while they excuse me while they are in that space. So Darren had asked me about is the MLB juicing balls uh, is like and what is the the pay discrepancy when it comes to Major League Baseball? How is it fixed? And it's like, is there anything with with the baseballs in general? So I will tell you, yes. Baseball does juice the baseballs, but not all the time. It's based on a narrative. It's it's most we it's not, and this literally is not conspiracy theory. This is what goes on because every baseball is not the exact same. And what I'll say, what I'll say right now, because I, I had mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge, I'm not an expert in all of this, but where I do get my source is. Uh, David Sampson. And for those for you, or for those of you that are unfamiliar with him, he used to own the Miami Marlins. He uh, he actually was part of the group that moved the Montreal Expos from Montreal to Miami, which obviously is a, cron- a, controversial, a controversial thing depending on where your fandom lies. I don't think that most people care about the Expos, or it, I know that a lot of people don't care about the Marlins right now. But he was in that group that moved them from Montreal to Miami and he used to own them and he talks on the Dan Lebitard show. They have him on once a week and they ask him questions about the business and he's extremely candid about what the actual things that go on on the business side of sports that I try to convey here. And a lot of people laugh at me because I don't consider myself a sports simp. You know, I can, I, to some people I seem outlandish, but it's because I I've seen so many goofy things happen over through the world of sports that 
I don't trust anybody. And you shouldn't either. Uh, what you see at the highest levels, it's not just sports, it's, it's, it's any corporation. Like you're not up there, right? Like 99% of us aren't in that realm. So we're just being, we're just regurgitating what we're being told from the top down. And sports is no different. Like we're hearing it from the quote unquote, we're hearing it from the GM, uh, owners, coaches being fed through the, through media. And then it comes to us and then it hits our ears, but we're not really in the room for the discussions. And what David Sampson does, it, uh, his podcast is called nothing personal with David Sampson, uh, S A M S O N. And like I said, he used to own the Marlins and he is very open about what actually happens behind closed doors in professional sports, most specifically baseball. But to go back to the original talking point and also to go back and kind of, I guess, marry both of these concepts together is December 7th, 2022 is the episode because I remember listening to the Nothing Personal podcast and I was like, I remember Samson talking about juiced baseballs. Go back and listen to that. December 7th, 2022 is called Nothing Personal with David Samson. And he tells you, yes, of course there's different baseballs. And it's not necessarily because it can be rates driven because what we saw this year with the home run race was Aaron judge, right? And it was supposed to be the first one that, that wasn't juiced because we've been talking about McGuire and Sosa and bonds for so long that, well, maybe the balls juice. And that's, that's, that's kind of what he's getting to. In that theory is that, yes, MLB does use different baseballs. And the pitcher knows exactly that this, this baseball feels different from the stitching and the weight, how it's constructed. Now, they're, when it gets to the playoffs, they are different. And it's it's shown on the baseball that they're different baseballs. But to think that, they are, that baseballs aren't being used differently throughout, like even throughout the same game, yes, they are. There's multiple different balls being used throughout baseball games. And that that is something that is true. But to go back more in depth in it, please go listen to that. Again, it's December 7th, 2022. He does a really great job of explaining it better than I than I would. Uh, and also, if you're interested in sports, not, not, just, not just sports in general, but sports business, it's a really great podcast to listen to. Uh, his delivery is kind of goofy. Uh, he's, but I'm sure that mine is too, you know, but you still listen, which I appreciate. So am I maybe taking away from more listens because you're going to go just absolutely just binge his maybe, but his insight is crazy and I highly recommend it. But the other talking point was MLB salaries in conjunction with, uh, the minor league teams. And it's such a crazy discrepancy. And it's so it's weird because the MLB really acts, it, it's completely different than any other sport, right? The NFL doesn't have a minor league team. <clears throat> it doesn't anymore because college football, now they get paid. But that was basically their farm system. College football was the NFL's farm system. Um, the NBA has the G League. Uh, hockey, I'm not super familiar with, but... Major League Baseball has, you know, class A, double A, triple A majors. Like there's, there's so many levels to it. But at the very base of 
Major League Baseball and its its pay scale, four hundred dollars a week. I'm sorry, I think they raised it to five hundred a week. So when you're looking at five hundred, two thousand dollars a month, and what they put on their, I I know this, but they put on their applications for certain things as professional baseball player. $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month. And where I stand is, you know, it's, oh, sorry, squirrel. That isn't just, okay, so one, sorry, I am doing this live. ADD, I have, since I moved, I have this, I call him my, my pet squirrel. I call him Jeffrey Nomer because, you know, they like peanuts and he noms on them. So his name is Jeffrey Nomer and I bought him his own house and his own Jeffrey Nomer estate thing, but he just like ran across the fence. So, um, He's like my new best friend, so just just know that he might be a staple of this going forward. He's actually like staring right at me through my back deck. It's it's kind of creepy, but it's really cute. I love him. Anyway, so moving on. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the pay scale is so incredibly awkward. But Rob Manford, the uh, the commissioner of baseball, says like you know it's it's a livable salary. Whether you play professional sports or not, regardless of what you do, $2,000 a month is not sustainable income. It is not something you can do to live off of individually. Like if you've got six people hanging out in the same house and you guys are all running from each other, yeah, maybe, maybe you can make that work. But everything is so out of control right now. Uh, Again, so again, I, I talk, I listened to David Sampson. He's, he is in Miami. Uh, he's on the Dan Lebetard show, which is a Miami based show. And they talk about, uh, how this is a little off topic, but they talk about also with Billy Corbin, just how incredibly outrageous the cost of living is in Miami. And for studio apartments, it will blow your mind how absurd it is. We'll, we'll, we'll backtrack now. So yeah, MLB thinks that it's a livable wage for $500 a week to play baseball, which is asinine to me. What we really need to dive into is like there, there baseball is so top heavy, like most sports. Okay. Let, let's do that. Most sports are top heavy, right? Your quarterbacks in the NFL are making now currently between 40 and $50 million a year. And that's only going to go up because salary caps are going to go up. Uh, the NBA, similar thing. Your your star players are making forty to fifty million dollars a year. We justify it by saying there's only five guys on the court. It's twenty percent of your team. Of course, they're going to. Same thing with quarterback. It's the most it's the most important position in sports. But baseball isn't a salary cap sport, though. But I don't think that most. And again, I'm not a salary cap expert when it comes to baseball because it's so convoluted because you can move up from, you know, AAA to the majors and then go back. Like there's, there's a lot of fluctuation and I'm not an expert in it. But when you go into like the, the, the bottom feeders and not by players, I just mean by income strictly, it doesn't matter. Like you're making the same money regardless of how good you are, your talent, how old you are. Like your money is your money. Poverty line is like 14 grand. And you're essentially making that by playing quote unquote for a professional baseball team. Now, do I know how to fix this? No. Uh, 
and actually to go back for a moment, we're talking about the, the salaries and how much of a discrepancy there is. We say, well, why, why would you pay one person this much money? And in baseball, one, you got 162 games. There's so many games. It's, it's stupid. And we can have a debate on whether it's needed to have 162. I don't believe that we do, but that's an argument for another day. But even starting pitching, that's one of the most expensive positions in baseball. And you pitch, what, once a week? But you're, you're, you're basically paying for starting pitching and who can get you dingers? Because Major League Baseball has changed so much where it's not just, hey, you got to put ducks on a pond. Ducks on a pond. Just get guys on base, and then you you matriculate down the base path, and you'll you'll manufacture your own runs. No, now it's let's go yard. Who can we get that can go yard? And that's where you put your money because if you can get a run, almost guaranteed. Like we go back to Aaron Judge. If you hit sixty home runs, there's one hundred and sixty-two games. You're like you are responsible for essentially an RBI by yourself every two, two and a half games. And we're just, we're just dumbing it down to get just that simple math, but that's where the money is going. Where's the power? I don't care if you strike out. I don't care if you go one for five every single day, but are you going to get me a home run every, every three games or so? Because there's going to be some games. You're not just getting a solo shot. There's going to be some games. You're getting a three run homer. Like, can I count on you to be responsible for essentially on average between one and a half to two and a half runs per game? And that's where all the money is going as far as like the outfield is concerned, like your, your hitting production. But the average salary in, the, in, in Major League Baseball is a, a little over $4 million a year. And obviously by our standards, that's super high. But by professional sports, it's really not. But that's because it's so top heavy. But it's also, again, there's no salary cap. So it's all driven by your market. That's why the Mets and the Yankees and the Dodgers are just throwing stupid amounts of money at people. But like the Rays, Tampa Bay, like they've been good forever, but nobody ever talks about them. They have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, but they are religiously one of the better teams in baseball. We're getting a little off topic, and I'm sorry that I ramble and that I have, a, I have a tendency to do that. But to me, the way that you have to fix the the discrepancy, and if it's not going to be quote unquote collectively bargained, because we love using that phrase, and uh, Major League Baseball has already had a class action lawsuit against them, and I, I feel like they're still fighting. I could be wrong on that. But the easy way to do it is just, and you don't want to do this because you're basically taking jobs away from people you're taking the dreams more importantly away from people but if you're making two thousand dollars a month playing baseball and still having to play as many games as you do and travel as much as you do and oh we get a stipend too and that's my per diem yeah but i mean like you're still making two thousand dollars a month that's not enough to live on you don't want to shatter dreams but maybe the way that we do this is we just, we just get rid of one class of baseball altogether. Do we really need three of them? Or instead of maybe getting rid of one class altogether, do we do we somehow merge like four teams into one? 
three or four teams into one. So, you know, we don't need 30, we don't need 30 <laughs> triple A, double A, and single A baseball teams, right? Like, what if we merge them together? We merge the cost expense. And those teams, whether it's by division, let's just say it's by division. But if we just do that, one division is responsible for all of the players in uh, that bottom tier. All right. So what? I don't know. I'm not. This is not for me to answer. I don't have the answer. But I'm just I'm just spitballing right now. But the only way to increase the salary of the players at the very bottom is most likely. You just got to get rid of teams. They're not going to completely get rid of minor league baseball. Like that's not going to happen. Baseball is never going to do that. But to me, that's probably the only way that you can make it make sense because MLB doesn't want, they want you to increase your revenue. They don't want to just, they don't want to pay, you know, the piddly players for, for lack of a better term. But again, if you go back to that episode, December 7th, 2022, Nothing personal, David Sampson. He does a great job of explaining that. And I think it's in the exact same episode where he talks about that as well. I may be misquoting the minor league baseball part, but I believe it's in the same realm. Regardless, if you're into sports business or specifically baseball, follow that. A lot of great stuff. All right. Chris Smith, we're on to you. Is Josh Allen underrated? I'm sorry, overrated was the question that was asked to me. I am a huge Josh Allen critic. If you've been listening to the show long enough and know it has nothing to do with the bills, not making it into it to a Super Bowl or anything like that. It has everything to do with me watching this team and watching this person play for the last what five years. And nothing's really changed. My criticisms of him have been, the same plays hero ball makes bad decisions two of the last three years. Like he, he, people don't want to talk about this, but he has one of the higher interceptable rates of passes in the NFL. They just don't get picked off usually because the guy throws infinity billion miles an hour. So there's a lot of dropped passes as well, as far as interceptions are concerned, but he doesn't make great decisions all the time. He, he plays through that arm strength way too much. The word overrated to me, it can be, this isn't really, it's, it's objective. So if you say Josh Allen is trash, I will say, no, he's, he's not trash but I have basically called him white Jameis Winston. He's Jameis Winston with a better PR agent. That's what I've said. Um, that's a little bit hyperbolic, but if you can read between the lines, you understand what I mean. But Josh Allen to me, I over underrated. It depends on, it depends on where your place. What's the line of demarcation. So if you're telling me, do I think he's an MVP? I would say, no, that is overrated. If you're telling me he's trash because of the turnovers and because of decision-making, I would say, no, then he's underrated. You should probably move that needle a little bit more. He is in this weird group of quarterbacks, I think. I don't consider him to be Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm even kind of drawing a blank on any other quarterback. I would, I would probably take over him. 
at the moment. Uh, and I'm really not, I'm not, I'm really not trying to be so prisoner of the moment of it, but everybody else is like fairly interchangeable. It's all about, you know, coaching and weapons and, and, and circumstance and, and offensive line. Like there, there's too much of, there's too much around it that needs to go into it. But if I'm looking at just quarterbacks individually, it's Mahomes and Burrow. And uh, then there's kind of this other tier that circumstantially, if you, if you replace them with other, because they have different traits and different attributes and different strengths and weaknesses. And if you put them in different scenarios, you have a different outcome. So he kind of falls in that with me, but at the higher tier of it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with like the physical ability. It's got everything to do with what's going on between the years. Uh, I, I stand firmly in the belief that Buffalo just wants everybody to know he's like our Jim Kelly now. You know, they're they're different they're different games, but when you go to four straight Super Bowls, the everything that you're feeling from a fan base, this is now generational. Okay, like my my son is on a, is not a Bills fan, but if he were, this is now generational of the hurt that you felt and what they're trying to do. And like, again, I don't subscribe to this rule. It doesn't hurt me in this way. I'm, I'm looking at it through this, to the, through the prism of other fans and how they view not just Josh Allen, but football in general. This is now generational hurt. And the bills are saying, this is our guy. And whether you f- like it or not, Josh Allen is our dude. To me, in today's NFL, teams play so scared. You know, everybody, every single quarterback, and we've seen this religiously when when quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks get hurt. We see backup quarterbacks come in and give you 20 for 30, 200 yards, one TD, one pick, or vice versa, whatever. Like, they give you the same basic generic stat line. Anybody in the NFL can give you the backup quarterback stat line. And on any given Sunday, not to be cliche, but they can also give you that monster game or that trash game. But there's very few guys who for 14 or 15 out of a 17 game schedule give you exactly what you need every single week. There's so few of them. But if we're just going by the if we're if we're going by the label of is Josh Allen overrated. I say yes, only strictly because of hype. When you statistically, and that's what always bothers me, is people say, well, look at his touchdown to interception ratio. Like this year, he led the he led the league in turnovers. Nobody wants to talk about it until the Bills get bounced from the playoffs. That irritates the absolute out of me. That 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 bugs me that only when a team is bounced from the playoffs do you want to see his deficiencies when I've been telling you guys all year. But he does. He, he kind of falls in that... He, I don't want to say middle of the road because that sounds disrespectful. Um, but if what are we going to do with tiers and do it? What top three or four? Do I think he's a top four quarterback? Mm, yeah, I'd say probably not. He's not bottom four one. And I think he's better than middle of the road, but it's just when you, when you allocate these certain, these words, the word association, basically elite. Yes or no overrated. Yes or no. I would place him right below elite, but I would still consider him overrated based on the love that he is getting versus the criticism that he receives. But 
once again, once once you lose in the playoffs, it's it's an overreaction the other way. He was getting love, 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 bounce from the playoffs. You, <laughs> what a loser! It is it's such a dumb thing. This is they. What I've realized over the years is that I don't hate sports. I hate sports fans, which is who I'm talking to. So maybe that's counterintuitive to what I'm trying to build here. But I mean, come on. Can we be that? Are we that big of a Neanderthal to do that with everything? This guy's great, 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 great. What happened from one week to the next? Because even if you just want to have done that down to the playoffs, right? They barely beat Miami. And a big reason why they almost lost is because of Josh Allen. But you get that W and it just erases all of the negative that you did. But then you lose. And then we just like we want to go into your Twitter profile from like 2014 and talk about how bad of a person you were that you made a mistake when you were like 12. It's such a dumb thing that we do. Do I think he's trash? No. But do I think do I think he's great? I would also say no. But overrated, I think, for me personally, I would equate him to overrated. Yes, that is my that is my very long-winded answer, Chris Smith. Josh Allen is overrated, but he is not booty juice. I almost forgot. I was asked about Geno Smith because I, I had posted something on the Chopping Up with P. Scott page from the Facebook spot, and it was like most coveted. NFL free agent quarterbacks. Geno Smith was on there. And I was just like, oh my God. I never thought I'd see the day where Geno Smith would be a coveted NFL free agent quarterback. And I still don't think that he is. Um, I was I was on a, the, the Marvelous Live podcast back in November. Jay Hall is the, the host of it. You can find it on YouTube. We talked about this to a degree. But, you know, with me being in Alaska... Seattle is the most geographically it's the closest state to Alaska. So there is a lot of Seahawks fans. There's a lot of uh, Broncos fans, coincidentally, uh, those two. And along with the Steelers, I I say those are the, those are the three biggest fan bases up here at least. But Geno Smith is getting a lot of attention and like, what's he going to do? Where is he going to go? And one of the things that I love to see is the overreaction of certain things and then watch it dwindle down. The Utah Jazz. Oh my God, watch out for the Utah Jazz. And I was like, there's still the Utah Jazz. Just chill the f*** out. They'll fall back down to earth. And they did. Tennessee Titans are the exact same thing. Oh, they're the one seed in the AFC. Well, there's still the Tennessee f- Titans. Like These things aren't hard to look through. You can tell by how a team is built. There's still a surprise, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say like I'm Nostradamus. I know exactly what's going to happen, but you got a pretty good idea. But why are we being so overreactionary based on a, a few game sample size or, you know, especially in the NBA or the or Major League Baseball when it's such a long season? These things have a tendency to recalibrate. The Boston Celtics are a prime example, just to go off topic for a minute, where early in this season, the Celtics had, I think, what, seven of the top, 13 or 14 shooters in the entire league and they were running rough shot through everybody then they had a little bit of a slump and then it happens but we still know that boston's good they've been good for years they're going to be good 
But these other teams, when they when they get off to hot starts, it's can we just pump the brakes a little bit? Let your brain tell you what you're seeing instead of just, oh, their record's this, so obviously they're that. No, there's there's, there's more to it than that. So with Gino, it's not a whole lot different. Um, no, there, there there is the there's the chance that he has been given a, a f- not a fair shake throughout his entire career. Uh, he got punched in the face when he was on the Jets, broke his job, missed some time. But there's no guarantee they would have been good there either. That's why I say a lot of this stuff is circumstantial. But Geno Smith is Geno Smith. And what we have seen is early on in the year, people were propping this dude up and saying he's an MVP candidate. And I remember seeing that for the first time and going, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way that people legitimately believe this. And there were from people who follow the sport and just fans. And that's, again, I have no idea if that's just a fan, if that's what the media is trying to make you believe because they feel that they can manipulate you or if they actually felt that way. But Geno Smith for MVP, you let me know one time and you're like, when has it ever crossed your mind? We're like, yeah, that absolutely makes sense because it didn't for me but this is what it's going to do though he's going to get another contract like this like that's undisputable whether you believe that he deserves it or not i believe that he has earned the next contract i even believe to a degree that he can be a starting quarterback someplace and that's not saying much because we have seen the landscape of what the nfl is and and depending on the situation, maybe he flourishes, maybe he doesn't. I am not giving, <laughs> I am not giving Geno Smith what I like to call quote unquote starter money. What I consider starter money now is when you look at Mahomes, Brady, Dak. Now, I don't think that Dak is worth the money that he's being paid, but the money is already there. You can't change it. But those are the salaries of starting quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, that kind of stuff. He's not worth anything close to that. But if Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's the thing for me, is I, I kind of use Jimmy Garoppolo as a line of demarcation of what I assume that a starting quarterback is because I've seen him be a starter, I've seen him be a backup, and I think that he's somewhere kind of in between where if everything is perfect which is largely what he's had. Garoppolo's had arguably the best coach that we've ever seen play football or coach football in Belichick and one of the best young coaches in Kyle Shanahan, along with great defenses everywhere, along with good O-lines. Like, what you're doing is you're masking the deficiencies. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo is. And that's that's kind of what they did with Geno Smith. But Geno Smith is obviously, he's more... He's more athletic than Garoppolo, but it is like Garoppolo to me is the line of demarcation of, is he better or worse than Jimmy Garoppolo? I think he's the same. They're different, but they're the same with, with Geno Smith. I have, I've had so many people say one, he's trash or B he's like a top five, top 10 quarterback MVP candidate. And he's, he's neither of them. He didn't get an opportunity originally, and now that he had an opportunity, like he played well, but 
are you giving a 30 plus year old quarterback starter money that 40 million dollars a year money no it took you a decade to get to finally having what we consider a good year if you listen to, to the last episode Tom Brady threw for 4,500 plus yards, 25 TDs, nine picks, and that was a down year. And people were saying this year with less yardage, I think I think more TDs, but also more touchdowns. Geno Smith MVP? How ridiculous is that? It's the expectation that you're setting. Brady has set the expectations so high that when he has a down year, you're like, oh, well, he's falling off. And Geno Smith, it took him a decade to get to semi-Pro Bowl status, and we're going, give this guy MVP. No, maybe you give him most improved. Like, even comeback, I'm not giving him comeback, because that's usually delegated to players with like from injury. Unless you want to count that broken jaw from like 2013, 15, whatever, whatever, whatever year it was. But when I'm looking at Geno Smith, then what are we going to do as far as the money is concerned? What I said on the Jay Hall podcast and what I'll say here is I, I, I still stand firmly on it is depend. It really depends on what they do in the draft. But if, if we're, if we're just excluding that, let's just say they don't go that route. I would probably go two year, 50 mil 25 annually. I think that that's fair because you're not going to pay him backup money, but you're not going to pay him quote unquote, like I said, starter money. It's somewhere in that middle threshold. It's two years. Um, you can still draft a quarterback and maybe that's the route that they go. Maybe they still draft a quarterback at five if they love them good enough. But Seattle still has some holes to to fill. Let's not be let's not be unrealistic, especially in the division two with with uh, San Francisco because they feel like they are just unstoppable in that in that division if we're just going to be talking about that. But Seattle has a long way to go to be really good and be completely relevant again. So maybe they draft a quarterback and let him sit behind Geno because, again, it took him 10 years to even get to this point of his career to be even noticeable. But a two-year window is nothing, especially if you draft a quarterback early on. That rookie scale is it's just nothing monetarily to, a, to, an, to an organization that's not a huge investment for you. So I would, if they go... Regardless of what they do, let's just say quarterback-wise, and I'm starting to ramble, but regardless of what you do, I wouldn't let Gino leave because you still need somebody. They're in a position where they can get a quarterback at such a discounted rate being so early on that it doesn't hurt them, but they're also not they're not committing so much money to him where it handcuffs you. To me, I think that it's a more than fair deal. Of two years, fifty million. I don't want to say definitively that's going to happen. It's probably best if Seattle just lets him go, just let him go, because like there's always going to be the franchise who overpays for somebody, and they're going to take this one year as the one year sample size and say that's the guy we can make it work with him. Especially because like we've seen what he can do against like actual defenses, and he struggles. But that's what he is. He's a middle of the road quarterback, Maven subpar. But I'm not overextending him. And if you're a Seahawks fan, if you see them give him like 
four, five, six years, I would run in the opposite direction. You're actually better going to Denver and following Russell Wilson at this point in time. But if they do something short term, you know, it depends on what you want to do. You can make it incentive laced or not. But I'm saying if you give him somewhere between backup and starter money and around two years, because the thing is, what I've been hearing is, well, he's a young 30 ish. The thing that I know about bodies, your body is your body. Except if you're Tom Brady, that guy's seriously just a alien. It, it, he's he's an extraterrestrial. He's he's completely built differently than us. But Geno Smith is still his age. Like we want to use the anomaly of Brady or Breeze, and even Breeze, man. Like, statistically, with his accuracy and stuff, yeah, he was still fine. But you can see the arm strength wasn't there. Same with Brady. Like, but you have to manipulate what your strengths are and you have to accentuate them basically to keep yourself alive in that climate. And Geno Smith is still over 30 years old. Like even though he's a quote unquote young 30, not a whole lot of miles, the body's still the body and his body of work is still his body of work. Case closed. All right, guys, you've been chopping it up with P Scott. I'm going to hang it up for the day. I'm Prescott Scott Kelly. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and anchor. Please make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives as always stay up, stay blessed, and we'll catch you on the next one.